Welcome to the Dot Metaverse podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Christopher Lafayette, the founder of Gatherverse Summit. He'll be talking to us about how technology moves in increments, shifts, and leaps. This was recorded at the Metaverse Summit at CES 2022, hosted by Touchcast. Greetings and hello. My name is Christopher Lafayette, emergent technologist here in Silicon Valley. I'm happy to be here with you today the Touchcast M-City, streaming all the way to all of our good friends at CES. Today, all around the world, in the throes of technology and elsewhere, you're hearing a word that you may not have heard before, and it's become quite prevalent. It's called the metaverse. So today, with a little bit of time that we have together, we're going to talk about this metaverse, what it is, maybe a little bit about what it isn't, where we're at, and where we might be headed. Now, a little bit about me. I've been operating and building the metaverse for many years now. And when we talk about the metaverse, we're not necessarily talking about something new, but we are talking about something emerging. And before we start talking about this emergent metaverse, we have to go back a little to understand that there's some history at play here. And this history goes all the way back to the time of the Greeks, but we won't go that far. Today, we'll go just a little bit far. We'll chapter it up to talk about a little bit of ethnography, where we're at today, and then what we might be seeing in the future and what we will be seeing in the near future. Now, when we talk about the metaverse, in some respects, and in some aspects of the ecosystem, what we're talking about is virtual reality and augmented reality. And some would say mixed reality with the acronym of what we call XR, which stands for extended reality. Now, this technology came about and began to be idealized all the way back in the 1800s. Now, from about the 1800s to the 1950s, you started to have the emergence of stereoscope technology. You've had literature rights by Fomagili Spectacles, and people were envisioning and writing about what could be the future of virtual reality. Then, when we move forward to the 1960s to the 1980s, that's what we call the prototype generation, whether folks were at NASA and NASA Ames or elsewhere in laboratories or perhaps someone else's garage, building what could be and what was documented in papers and in writings. Now, after the 1980s, what naturally would come next in the 90s to the 2000s is your prototype generation, 
But the prototype generation was also part of the 60s and 80s, but it carried over into the 90s. In fact, even to this day that we're still prototyping HMDs, displays, human factor ergonomics, so forth and so on. But it brought us into the enterprise and experimental generation. That means for the very first time, you started to really see and promoted throughout enterprise, public and private sector adoption of this technology. Some used it in the medical field, when it came to servicemen and women in dealing with PTSD therapy treatment. Some dealt with it when it came to visual displays, and many tried it for marketing use cases to lead towards greater consumption of product. There was a whole lot of fail and a little bit of win, but it was of that failed data that ultimately brought us well fresh into the 2000s and started to bring us into the enterprise and the consumer market, which around 2010, when you started to hear about platforms called Oculus. And what you saw, especially that came from the gaming industry, the gaming sector, when you started to look at the great use and expansion of design, a technology itself, the hardware, an expansion of software and apps. When we go from what we call web one, which is very static to web two, which is more centralized technology. But we'll touch on that in just a little bit because now we're at the doors of web three, which really does have influence and significance within the metaverse itself. But let's continue to move forward. So moving forward, where we find ourselves in is that today, here in 2021, and walking and crossing over into 2022, and 2023, and so forth and so on, where we find ourselves today is that we've become more virtual in the past 21 months than we have the past 20 years. Remote distributed workforces, people are building products and product delivery teams are collaborating from their living rooms. A thing like we've never seen before. But how did we get here? And why is the metaverse all of a sudden, being that it's a terminology that came from a book, why all of a sudden has it become so relevant? Well, the question lies in this, which leads to our answer. Technology moves in increments, shifts, and leaps. We'll touch on that in just a second. But know that all technologies abide within the greater eco-habitat. And in this greater eco-habitat, you have XR, which is flanked by virtual and augmented reality. You have artificial intelligence, which is flanked by machine learning and deep learning, chatbots and smart assistants. You have IoT, you have digital twins, you have robotics, which may be flanked by androids and mechs. All of these technologies, fintech, which you may find flanked by crypto assets, cryptocurrencies, blockchain, NFTs. All of these technologies abide within the greater eco-habitat. Within the greater eco-habitat, all of these technologies are growing. But right now, 
they began to skyrocket, unlike anything that we've ever seen before in the history of technology itself. It's adoption, it's offering to markets, but not only are these technologies ascending and growing at a rapid rate, but these technologies are getting ready and that are actually pairing together with what we call the merge pairing. When you take all of these technologies that abide within the eco-habitat, not only do they have their own individual and single autonomy along with their subsets, but they're also beginning to pair artificial intelligence with immersive technologies and immersive technologies with robotics, telepresence, drones. But what we've come to find out is this merge pairing really is the beginning fundamental constructs of the smart city, which once we start to look at how it naturally comes together on a morphous scale, no one truly understands of what will be the smart city and its makeup. It is many brilliant micro technologies that make up this smart city. What we are able to do is begin to define what it is by how it manifests. So here's where we come into technologies moving in increment shifts and leaps. Keep in mind, once you get to the merge pairing and the fundamental construct of the smart city, that brings us into true technological convergence. Now, when we talk about technology moving in threes, increments, shifts, and leaps, when we talk about increments, think perhaps an iOS or Android update on your phone. You may find a lot of people saying, gee, Apple hasn't come out with anything new when it comes to its phones in so long. Well, take your iPhone 12 and exchange it for an iPhone 4, and you may see the dramatic difference, not just with hardware, but more so when we talk about the operating system. It means there's incrementation and there's been great development and enhancement year after year. Now, additionally, on top of that, we have to look at the shift. The shift usually is akin to SaaS, software as a service, or great hardware that's been introduced. It may be at HMD, which is a head-mounted display. It may be augmented reality glasses. It could be a desktop, laptop, phone, tablet. You start to see that introduced into the consumer and enterprise markets when you start to look at a shift. The iPad, for example, was a shift in how we go about looking and staring at our devices. But then, every once in a while, you'll have a technology or a thing that's introduced to the habitat that wasn't there before, but yet it abides. And it doesn't come often, but when it's here, it has true seismic global impact. We call that a leap. A leap would be likened unto the internet, the cloud, the metaverse. Yes, there's more leaps, but those are the ones that we'll focus on for the moment. But how has this come about? Well, usually technology 
is superseded by great technology. And then that technology one day will be superseded by either better technology or more effective technology. We commonly refer to that as the disrupt. This means technology is disrupting older technology or technology that may be headed into obsolescence. Well, for some technologies, it would take years for them to reach obsolescence. Now, in some respects, it's come down to months. Now, when we talk about the emergence of a better or a greater use case of technology, usually that's fueled by greater power. Remember, a lot of what we see today and interact with and use was conceptualized and built and sitting on shelves for years and some for decades. But now that we have enough power to consume, now we're able to take these items off the shelves and bring them about. But that's been happening for decades. What makes it different now? Well, now, now we find ourselves in a situation where technology hasn't been the greatest disruptor in the last 20 years. The greatest disruption of technology, undoubtedly, has been the pandemic, which we commonly refer to and medically refer to as COVID-19. Never before have we seen through the annals of time of technology where technology has been disrupted and global operations, supply chains have been so disrupted as much as we've seen by way of a pandemic. All of us have entered into a case study and everyone had to participate. Now that we've entered into this case study, globally, we have become more virtual in our communication. Mind you, that the greatest and most abundant form of technology that has happened in the last 30 years. And people ask, Chris, what's the greatest technology that's accelerated as of late or over the years? Undoubtedly, the greatest feat that we have reached when it comes to technology is the power of communication, peer-to-peer, community-to-community. So now that we find ourselves here in an opportunity to be able to build, explore, share, teach, and educate, this has brought us to the metaverse, which we look at two-dimensional and three-dimensional environments as one, where those can enter into a hyper-realistic, immersive, simulated environment. She or he or they can be able to operate within these environments to converse, to meditate, to reflect, to explore, to examine, to share. And the greater that this technology and these tools are available that have been made, the greater the experience. We talk about perceptual science. We talk about human factor fidelity. We talk about environmental fidelity, cognitive fidelity, contextual fidelity, environmental fidelity, intentional and unintentional fidelity, meaning that 
when we're in a hyper-realistic immersive simulated environment, whether that's augmenting or whether we're fully enclosed in virtual reality, we're experiencing and able to do more than what we can from standard and traditional two-dimensional environments. But even two-dimensional environments have wildly come and more accelerated in things that we could do and express and see, not just with typography and color interfaces, but with one another. So right now, when we talk about the metaverse, here are a few key things that we have to keep in mind. The metaverse is still very young. It's growing. Today's metaverse, today's metaverse, the biggest feature that we can showcase and what you'll start to see more of a rise in are virtual worlds where whole entire communities can centralize, meet, learn, educate. One of the things that we're working with with Gatherverse, the Gatherverse Summit and the Gatherverse brand is we're taking a specific and express look beyond just software and hardware, which is necessary, and looking at education, accessibility, equality, community development, safety and privacy, wellness, and a humanity-first approach towards building the metaverse. Because the metaverse will never be as complete and as great as it can be until everyone has the opportunity to build it. Now, when we talk about ecosystems, we often talk about ecosystems being hardware and software, but ecosystems aren't hardware and software. Ecosystems are people. And we must learn that when it comes to developing and building the metaverse, our engineers, our designers, our thought contributors, our C-suite, and more, and everyone, that if we're going to extend reality, then we must bring reality with it. Meaning that the foundational construct and the development of the great metaverse it's not completely about the technology of hardware and software, but we build it through human centricity, meaning that the, grip, that the metaverse will only be as great as all those who have the opportunity to contribute and build it. The more contributors we have building the metaverse, the more expansive and greater it will become. Why? Because the cultural interweavings and workings of the metaverse, the expression and the expansion of humanity itself is the key to having a healthy metaverse. So is the metaverse the next internet? No, the internet abides within the metaverse. Is the metaverse cliche and be here today and tomorrow? Didn't I read that in Ready Player One with Ernest Klein's ontological anthropocentric simulation immersive system? You did. Is that the metaverse? Partly. But the metaverse is so much more. And dare we say that, candidly, if you could see all the different things of what the metaverse is, whether it's a virtual world, whether it's a Zoom conference, whether we have it here in TouchCast, the metaverse is good for the time now present, and it's a way of communication to bring us together, to be able to allow us to present and to explore and to go beyond traditional ways of communication physically 
and to be able to interact with virtual installations. The idea of technology was never for us to only look at our screens, but the idea was one day for us to get inside and operate within them. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about the metaverse. In the next episode, we'll hear from Naoki Mishita, CEO and founder of eCube. Learn more and claim your free.metaverse domain by visiting touchcast.com. Thank you.